Truth and lies. There is truth and there are lies. In the Bible, truth uh, means what's true lines up with what's real. It has to do with reality. And a lie won't. It's off here pretending. And it doesn't fit with what's really going on in life. The graphic we chose for the series, it's a lie, right? The guy's in trouble. He's reading a burning newspaper. Calmly reading a burning newspaper while the tide's coming in. Now, if he's living according to the truth, what's real, you take the newspaper, you throw it down in the water, put the fire out, pick up your chair and walk up on shore so you can watch the tide come in. He's living in an unreal world. An untruthful. He's living a lie. He's going to pay some consequences for that. Jesus changes everything by exposing lies and then showing us the truth. Our culture is big on love. People need love. Everyone should love everyone. We should love people unconditionally. I agree. But there are some questions that have to be answered. What is love? What does love look like? What's love's goal? What's the purpose of love? And one of the clear definitions of God's love in the Bible is that Jesus comes to show us, to expose lies so we don't have to be damaged by them, and better yet, to show us God's truth so we can be set free. That's how God loves us, sets us free from the damage of lies, and he gets us his truth so we can enjoy the freedom that God gives to us. So in the Bible, love is not making, is not making someone feel good about themselves. It may or may not happen, but that's just a byproduct. Love is all about God enabling us to find his truth and then to live it out and find the freedom that, that gives to us. So Jesus' goal is not to affirm you or me where we're at. His goal in loving us is to help us see where we're at, figure out what lies we're living by, and renounce those and pick up the truth and move forward into the path that he has for us. Or as Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus wants to give us God's truth and God's design help us to grow up into that. So, I know what's best. God knows what's best. One's a lie. One is true. Which one is it? Well, we're in church, so we're going to say, oh, God knows what's best. That's what's true. I wouldn't be here if I didn't think God knew what's best. But just think about this. If we say, God knows what's best, that means we line our thinking, our decisions, our emotions, our reactions to life, we line it up under God knows what's best. Is that where we're really at? I think we all start off by living, I know what's best. Toddlers do it. They throw temper tantrums because they believe the lie that they, at age two, know what's best for their lives and mom and dad do not. So they throw a tantrum. It's a lie. Of course, we're not toddlers anymore. We grew up, we mature through life, we learn our lessons, and we get to adulthood and we go, I still think I know what's best for my life. Think about why you get angry. We get angry because we didn't get what we wanted because we knew what was best for us and we didn't get it, so we got mad. Or we get frustrated. Why? Well, we get frustrated because someone or something delays us from getting what we think is best for us. Frustrates us. Or why do people lose hope? Well, we repeatedly don't get what's best for us, the plan that we had in mind, and we just give up. I know what's best. It's an interesting lie. It's incredibly self-focused. Nothing about other people. Nothing about God. Just about me. I know what's best. And 
it's a mischievous lie in the sense that you can bring it with you as you read the Bible, and then interesting things happen. Watch this comedy sketch. Tired of the Bible not meeting your needs? Want the scripture to better revolve around your lifestyle? Well, you've heard of the YouVersion Bible app, introducing the Me Version. Feel free to read the Bible without having to feel convicted. My favorite verse in the Me Version Bible is Matthew 7:1, Thou shalt not judge. Unless they voted for a different political candidate. Other favorites include, therefore, if a brother has sinned against you, post about it on the internet. And ye are without sin, so cast all the stones you want. Thanks, me version. This is great. Don't like something? Change it yourself. Me version is the world's first editable Bible. All your favorite verses just updated to reflect modern life. Like, give us this day our daily gluten-free bread, and I will deliver you into the land flowing with almond milk and ethnically harvested honey. Finally, a Bible that justifies my lifestyle, not the other way around. Most read passages include, before you check the speck in your brother's eye, remember that you do not have a plank in your own eye. And forgive us our trespasses, as we literally never forgive anyone who trespasses against us. Tired of feeling guilt? Enter areas that you struggle and we'll remove those verses completely. The Bible says all scripture is God-breathed and useful. And useful for taking out of context to justify your actions. Thanks, me version. I wish I would have known about this sooner. The Me Version Bible app turned the truth into your truth. Available now in the App Store and Google Play. It is not available at the App Store. Sorry, it's a joke. But that's what happens when we bring this, I know what's best in the Bible, we, we edit things out. Things that confront us or challenge us, or we realize we've veered off course, we're going, ah, just get rid of that, because I know what's best. But what if God knows what's best? He can see the whole big picture that we can never see in this lifetime. He created all things. What if we trust God the person of his son Jesus who came to save us instead of us trying to save ourselves? What if we take this, I, I think I know what's best, and we drop it and come to God and say, no, you know what's best. Plus, we can't make things turn out the way we want them to anyway, can we? Can't. So why wouldn't we just trust God and say, you know what's best, I'll put my life in your hands. Jesus said, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Think about this. Jesus said, I have come into the world to give people a rich and satisfying life. That's a great truth, right? We'll, we'll buy into that one, but there's also another truth. There is a thief whose purpose is to steal you away from Jesus Christ and to kill and destroy your spiritual and physical life. This sobering. And this, this lie that I know what's best, it feeds right into the thief's purpose to just steal us away. So, first we try the lie that we know what's best, and then things don't work out, and then, then usually we turn to God's truth. It was a spring day in northeastern Nebraska, was not a, not a warm spring day, a cool day, upper 40s, maybe low 50s. Not bad, but, you know. Anyway, our daughter, Sarah, age three at this time, came out of her bedroom with her swimsuit on. She loved the water, loved to swim. 
And she announced that she was going swimming. And I said, Sarah, it's, it's too cold to go swimming today. Um, you know, if you look outside, people are wearing long pants and shoes and coats, and it's too cold. If, if you go outside swimming, uh, you'll be shivering, and you'll want to come in right away, and you could get sick. It's just, you can't go swimming today. Sarah said, I'm going swimming. So I think it must have been a day off, and I thought, you know, parents have to have a little bit of fun, right? Just a little bit. So I thought, I'll call the bluff. I put a coat on. I went outside. I got the small wading, plastic wading pool, pulled it up next to the back door, and I got a hose and filled it up with 50-degree tap water. And Sarah's watching me do this, so excited. She gets to go swimming. Dad's filling up the pool just for her. I couldn't wait. Pool gets full. I open the door up and say, okay, Sarah, it's all yours. Go swimming. Because I knew what would happen. She would start to go down the steps, the concrete steps in the pool and bare feet, and she may not even make it down the step, right? Cold concrete. And if she did, the minute she hit the water, she would jump up and run back inside and maybe say that I was right, maybe. Nope. Sarah calmly walked down the steps, sat down in that 50-degree water outside in the low, upper 40s, lower 50s, and played, I don't know, 30 to 45 seconds, never admitting it was cold. She looked extremely happy, although I think maybe there were signs of shivering beginning. And then after 40, 30, 45 seconds, she smiled and said, I'm done, and she went back inside. Sometimes we're just like that. We think we know what's best. We know we know what's best, and we plunge ahead, and then we find out it's not working so well. Little side note, I asked Sarah permission to share this story, and she said, Dad, her daughter Hannah did the same thing. I don't know. My will be done. I know what I want. I know what's best for my life. I will do what I want to do. My will be done. So that means if that lie gets spread into all the areas of our life, you know, how we handle our time, how we manage our money, how we understand and live out our sexuality, how we treat people in our family, how we approach work, that lie that we know what's best, that my will always be done, it's like we jump into the cold water and we pretend for a while that we actually do know what's right and our will is great and then we start shivering and realizing it's not working. We have to flip the switch and say to God, your will be done. Whenever Christians gather around the world for centuries, we have prayed together the prayer that Jesus taught us. And in the opening lines of that prayer is this line, thy will be done on earth in our life as it is in heaven. Your will be done. We say to God, you're the creator you designed us. You know what's best for our lives. You know what's best for all the areas of our life. So we choose your will and your design, not our own. Your will be done. And in this, this learning to say your will be done, Jesus is our example. It's a great example. He prayed one day, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Now remember, Jesus, fully God, fully human. 
not really something we can comprehend or figure out. But suffice it to say, Jesus understood the pull of our humanity saying, I know what's best and God doesn't. So in this two-sentence prayer, Jesus is approaching his arrest and upcoming crucifixion, which he's well aware of. He says, Father, if you're willing, please take this away from me. I'm not sure it's a good plan or it's too hard of a plan for me. But then he says, yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. He surrenders to the Father's will. And this is the essence of getting away from the lie, getting the truth. We say to God, I want your will to be done. It doesn't mean you don't have a will and don't have to make decisions. It means your will, you, you say, I'm going to put my will in line with God's will. That's what I want. We live by faith. We live by faith that God knows best and hindsight helps. Let me explain. None of us, we all have ideas of how we think today and next year and the next decade is going to turn out. We just do. We have this idea in our head. You have no idea what's actually going to happen. I don't either. Uh, so we say, okay, God, I don't know. You know best. I'm going to trust you to lead me through today, and I'm going to trust you to lead me through the rest of my life. And when we look back at certain times of our life, when God brought us through something really difficult, when we struggled to believe that God did know what was best, we go, oh, why did I struggle? It was a hard time, but look, I'm looking back, and I see how God got me through. He did know what was best. I didn't. I had five months of seminary left, and then I would graduate, and I needed to find a church to be a pastor in so I could provide for my family, wife and two kids. So in the denomination that I was in at the time, pastors weren't appointed, they were called. So churches would get a spate of resumes, and the call committee would look at them and pray about them and decide a candidate to interview and to ask, and I just needed that to happen for me. Well, five months before graduation, a search committee from Clay Center, Kansas, sent their whole search committee to Chicago to the seminary I was attending to interview graduating seniors. So I signed up. Thought, I need to interview, need to learn how to do that, and who knows? Well, the interview was great, great experience, great people, um, and they, I was hooked. It sounded like a great place to start out my ministry career. Good-sized church, they're growing in size. They had a plan to build additional space they brought their blueprints with and showed everybody. And they had lay people in the church doing the work of ministry. It wasn't just a pastor doing everything. And before I knew what was happening in my mind, I, I, I got fixated on this. I just knew this church would be the best place for myself, Terry, and my two kids to start out my ministry career. I just knew it. So I was praying about this. A week later, they called me back and said, hey, Steve, appreciate your interview. Uh, we boil it down to two of you, you and Brian Johnson. Brian was a good friend. Still is, by the way. They said, we have to continue to pray about who we want to choose. So I waited another week, knowing for certain this would be the best place for me to go. No doubt in my mind. A week later, another phone call. We still can't decide. We'll get back to you. What? Still, I know this is the best place. A week later, final phone call. We couldn't decide, you or Brian, so we drew straws and Brian won. What I wanted to say to them, but did not say was, what? You drew straws? Are you kidding me? I mean, I was certain that this was the best place for me and my family to start, and I lost it because of a short straw. 
Let the wind knocked out of me. God, what are you doing? Well, a couple months later, I did a phone interview with a small church in Pender, Nebraska. They decided to call me as their pastor. I decided to accept that. I, I enjoyed them. I thought, I need to be a pastor someplace, so why not? So that's good. Felt a call to go there. But I felt like I lost first place. What I knew was best. And I slid down to about seventh or eighth place. Fast forward 35 years. Brian and I, as I mentioned, still good friends. It took me about 10 years to realize that Brian was a far better fit for the church in Clay Center, Kansas, than I would have been. And I needed to start in the kind of church that Pender was. God knew what was best. I did not think he knew what he was doing at the time. But he did. I didn't know. If I'd gone to Clay Center, I don't know that it would have ended well. But I went to where God knew it would go well for me. And you may have some similar stories in your life. If you look back, there were times you go, what is God doing? But then you can say, oh, look at what happened. God did know what's best. That's why I say, we live by faith that God knows what's best, but hindsight really helps us out. You see, God's sovereignty is kind of our fallback position, and God's sovereignty means he actually is putting all the pieces of everything together in a good way that brings him glory and honor and ends up being good for us too. Paul wrote, and we know God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Paul didn't say, God can take some things and, and bring good out of them, or most things, God's, Paul says, God takes all things and works them together for our good. And this biblical truth takes a huge weight off our shoulders that you and I actually can't carry. It will crush us. And that is the burden of having to know why. Why? Why the disappointment? Why the suffering? Why the abuse? Why the hardship? Why? Because frankly, sometimes, a lot of times in this life, there's not an answer to the why question that will satisfy us. This isn't. Paul also did not write that God causes all things to happen, or that God, um, excuse me, that all things that happen to us are good. That's not true. And Paul says not, God doesn't cause everything to happen to us, particularly the things that are, are bad. But Paul does say God can take everything and because he's God, work it together for our good. So we don't have to know why. But we can trust. God knows what's best. He's going to work it together. So as followers of Jesus, we renounce lies and we embrace truth. So the lie we renounce today is that we know best. I don't know best. Say it with me. I don't know best. God does know what's best. Say that with me. God does know what's best. We renounce the lie. We embrace the truth that God knows what's best. There's one story in the Bible that is, uh, illustrates this in an incredible way. It's the Apostle Peter, Disciple Peter. He's the first one to say Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He's a natural leader. With that natural leadership instinct comes this uh, certainty that he knows what's best even when he doesn't. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began 
to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said. This will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Wow. Peter looks Jesus straight in the eye and says, You're wrong. You do not know what's best. And Jesus looks Peter right back and says, No, Peter, you don't know what's best. You're looking at it from a human perspective. You can't see God's perspective. And then for the moment, at that particular moment it was true, Jesus called Peter Satan, the liar, because he was believing that at that point. Now, it's really easy for us to be like Peter. When the pressure's on, when something like our happiness, our success is at stake, we just know what needs to happen. We know what's best. And we feel like telling God what to do. Take a breath. We only see things from a human perspective. We can't see things from God perspective. Peter's plan for Jesus would have left our sins unforgiven. Not a good plan. Peter didn't know what was best. God the Father did. And Jesus the Son affirms, God the Father knows what's best. He followed the Father's plan. A prayer for this week, it's on the uh, program. Pick one up on the way out if you didn't get one on the way in. One true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, reveal to me where I am not trusting you and still thinking that I know best. When you reveal my foolishness, I promise to renounce it. Today I choose to embrace the truth that you know what is best for me and are causing all things to work together for my good. Let's just pray that together right now. Pray with me. One true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, reveal to me where I am not trusting you and still thinking that I know best. When you reveal my foolishness, I promise to renounce it. Today I choose to embrace the truth that you know what is best for me and are causing all things to work together for my good. Amen. And... uh, Keep that on your heart and mind. You'll need it this week. I'll need it this week. And it opens us up to the truth that God has for all of our lives, which is always good. And all the people say, Amen. And pray with me. Lord, we thank you that you know us, you, you know our hearts, you know what's in our minds. And you know that we, much of the time, still think we know what's best. And that's where a lot of our anger, our frustration, our disappointment comes from. Give us the courage, we ask, to humble ourselves and admit that you know what's best. And really seek out your design for our life. We thank you that you have plans for us that are good, really good. And we thank you that you will help us find them. We pray in Jesus' name and we all say, Amen.